Hello, this is episode 342 of the Herbal Psychology Podcast. I'm Nisha Roddy. I always trip over the numbers now because I can't believe I've recorded 342 podcasts. I was meant to record this podcast with somebody else. And it's funny, the last month has sort of reminded me why I went about recording podcasts by myself. Because it was a real sense of staying in alignment and flow and recording when it felt right and talking about the topics as they were kind of the right thing to do and and so on and not sort of waiting around for other people's schedules to kind of slot into place and all the rest and it's it's just been a bit of uh it's been a bit of a nightmare for me because I kind of feel like I I've not moved on with my work in other ways and I've been juggling things and in fact I think the energy of this podcast as well is kind of ironic Rose is having a difficult time and her daughter has actually picked up on a lot of that energy which is some of what I want to talk about kind of carefully without talking too much about her but yes it's it's been a pretty full-on week I had the family funeral from hell I came back and wrote up some reflections on that my writing has set some family members into a complete spin It's quite typical of my writing in that it has managed, you know, half a sentence has managed to sort of unravel their own existence and their own guilt and made them examine a lot. And obviously I've felt all that projection back towards me. In fact, I'll make the piece of writing public again and put it back into the podcast again because it's it's obviously very impactful given the energy back from it. I've had two migraines in a week, which is probably a record for me. But there has just been so much energy around and so much difficult energy and I can kind of convince myself sometimes or maybe people from the outside are kind of like oh you you know you you're just being protective or you're being scared or you're not putting yourself out there you know there's all these different ways that this is kind of kind of said to you and and these moments make me realize no that isn't true it just isn't my way of working and my way of working is around a concept of collective consciousness and I don't think I really understood what collective consciousness was or even understood that you know one of the people that I admire and that I take a lot of structure from my work from young was actually the sort of the godfather of this but over and over it's pointed out to me that I actually do move with this and so like one of the examples recently was I recorded an extended podcast for my patrons and I say they're kind of extended in trust and that podcast was about the impacts of going to see the Sinead O'Connor documentary film, which was huge for me. And I subsequently, I, in, I inhaled her autobiography as well. And you can kind of convince yourself that, you know, that you're being silly to not want to submit your work in Ireland to be published, that, you know, just, just, just you know, push yourself out there. Um, so what if people don't like you? Um, there has to be some people that like you and, and you know, and, and are behind your work. And what does it really matter if it's ahead of its time? And, you know, there's all these sort of conversations that are bandered around. And when I recorded that podcast, I felt really distinct, ugly energy on my Patreon. And I thought, that person in particular is going to pull off because they're part of this set in Ireland where you look for 
the popularity, you really want to be on The Late Late Show, which is our national kind of Friday night TV show. Everybody who's anybody wants to be on The Late Late Show. And when parents tell me, oh, you need to be on The Late Late Show, I'm kind of like, hell will freeze over. I, there's two things I will never do, The Late Late Show and a TED Talk. And actually myself and Graham forgot to talk about TED Talks when we were talking. I'm just kind of like... That really isn't me, and it isn't how I move. And, you know, it, it destroyed her. Like, you know, she she herself is very much subscribes to the theory now that mental health, or, you know, rather than mental illness, is in your DNA. And if you are going to predispose to unraveling, you will, regardless of what sort of circumstances you grow up in. And she grew up in very difficult circumstances. I have lots of different feelings about that. But ultimately, you know, I kind of look at her and I came out of the film, I sort of thought, you know, the question I had is, am I stronger than her to be able to take what she took if I stick my head over the paraffin and up here? And I become popular and I become dangerous, I become worth listening to. And I had actually submitted a piece of writing to an Irish newspaper here. I felt a huge energy to that. It's a piece that's, that's very personal um, to other people's journeys about breast cancer. I know it's a very impactful piece of writing. Of course, I haven't heard anything back yet. And I kind of knew that this set of people were going to just dump me like a hot potato. And they did. And I felt the energy of that last week as well. And I was kind of like, okay, I didn't imagine that. And it's funny because I always know the energy on my Patreon. I always know how things land. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate because I really need the support, but I also need the really need the support there of the truth of me. It's the one space where I'm totally me. And I actually really need that support, but I need to be, to, to be of me. And, that, and that's a great, the great kind of irony. So, so ultimately, like what I end up working a lot with families of sort of meeting me is the difference between shyness and confidence. And these are hugely misunderstood. Confidence is, is, is the ability to know yourself and to know who you are and how you need to move in the world and to kind of have the truth of that and to sort of stick to it. And that can actually mean sitting in a space and not talking for two years, being the quietest person in the room, you know, not actually allowing others to get to see all of your, your truths, not talking about certain things because you don't you recognize that it's not the time to talk about them. Shyness is, is, the, is the, the ability to grow into that presence, that ability to, to grow into that sense of how you set people off, like my writing this week, and for you to kind of be objective about that and think, that's not my guilt, that's your guilt. You know? But to actually have that, that space of being able to do that, and to, to have a little bit of, you know, it's, it's a kind of a withdrawal. You know, and we're inclined to force children out and think, you know, they, they have to hug this person and they have to be around this person and they have to do this and they, they have to share their energy and they have to share their love. Like there's all these expectations of children that really don't suit some children. They actually want to stand back a little bit and size it up. And there was a story that I, a conversation I had with Rosa that my, my mother had shared with me only a couple of weeks ago and I was hoping we'd, we'd chat about this. Because when one of the first Christmases, um, I was obviously did a tour of, of the various relations. And I became quite um, sort of antsy and wanted to go back to my mother. 
where I had been kind of carried around as a baby by various people. And she could tell, like, I wasn't feeling very comfortable with this. And so I, I kind of, I was, she went and sort of rescued me and brought me back. And I was, like, clinging onto her, you know, for, for dear life. And everyone even was like, oh, she just hasn't had enough exposure to, to other children. Like, she's an only child. And, you know, like, it's like a disease in Ireland to be an only child. And, you know, that's what's wrong with her. And, you know, she, she just needs to be around more children and blah, 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 blah. And my mother's kind of sitting there thinking, yeah, well, she doesn't behave like this in her other cousins down the country. You know, she's quite happy to be passed around like a parcel there. So maybe it's you and not her. But, you know, obviously she didn't say any of this. She just sort of smiled and, you know, nodded and whatever else and, you know, <laughs> cast that aside. But I'm very fortunate that I had parents who were able to not always particularly fully understand me, but to see me and to kind of know what my needs were and to know where my my boundaries were and what felt good for me and what didn't and to kind of back me up in that and to not have an expectation of me to go in and you know feel comfortable being passed around by all my cousins and those cousins still set me off you know if I go to one of their funerals it's like whose mark is bigger than whose out the front they're one of the most materialistic families and there's a huge amount that, that I don't I don't gel with there I spent a lot of time in my life creating a family for myself and my tribe and that was what I was kind of hoping to share with the podcast listeners and maybe that that will happen in a more kind of ad hoc way and um, rather than I think I had an idea that I would have conversations with each one you know sort of one after the other but that, that's just not going to work the, the energy just isn't right at the moment and you know I, I got sick a lot as a child as well like with with the with the with the the pressures of school and the pressures of what I internalize and the pressures of what I feel and, and one of the things I say that I obviously got most right for the people that I work with who are especially like me and especially have that sensitivity and that plug into the world is that they don't get as sick as me and so we've managed to sort of teach them their own self-care and when to put things down and and also the the reactions of others like one of the the stories that will come up over and over for a younger self is that people share a lot with you even if I go into a cafe space like my mother laughs you know someone will be dying to tell me their story and tell me their woes and when I was waiting for, for to meet Graham for lunch I sat down on a bench in a, in a shopping center and this woman came up and told me her whole story of how she'd just been to the hospital and blah 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 you know so that is quite a normal interaction for me but there you know what when you're younger there's there's a demand in that you don't quite know how to deal with people perfect strangers opening up to you and telling you all of their woes but then what happens with your peers is that they open up and they tell you all sorts of things and they tell you their challenges and you end up well for a start, having a bit of a Superman complex and feeling that you can save everyone and fix everyone, you can't fix anybody. And there, there's a pressure in that. But ultimately what happens in, in each time, and I, I have lost count of the amount of times that this has happened for me in my life. All will happen is people will share so much with you, then they feel bad that they've opened up and shared that much with you. And then they will completely shut down. And, and, and you'll be kind of like, what did I do wrong here? You know, and, and you kind of end up chewing yourself up a lot about that because you can't see what is happening for the people. All you have seen is the closeness and how you haven't been judgmental of that person and how much you've helped them and how embracing you were and how open you were in the situation. You're kind of like, why has this happened? And when you start to see the pattern over and over, you're kind of like, there must be something wrong with me. There isn't anything wrong with you. It's just, 
it's just that in innate shutdown when we have shared too much with somebody and we're not ready to do that. Or there's an acceptance, I think, in realizing that you cross paths with people maybe for a reason in life and that maybe you fulfilled your purpose to them. You were the person that they needed to talk to or to open up with and um, to, help to help them through that moment. But that doesn't mean that you're going to continue on with them. There's a kind of an acceptance in that you don't give to the world and share with the world in the expectation of needing something back from that. And, and I think, you know, I can talk to people with my sort of sensitivities and abilities and way of traveling through the world, you know, as adults twice my age, and they haven't recognized that, that need that they have in that. And that continues to make them feel as if they give more to the world than they get back. That, that's an aspect that you, you kind of need to sort out as well. But there's, there's nothing wrong with having boundaries and things being overwhelming and, and shutting down and actually trusting that in your body and thinking, you know, um, this is too much for me. The, the world is too much right now. But there's also a recognition for me in, in doing this in a much bigger kind of global kind of way in that one of the, I suppose, the, the aspects that made me see this and understand this has been a journey. And it nearly killed me to come into the space and sort of speak about the fact that I was going to record this podcast because I, I had such a bad experience with the energy in it two years ago that I was kind of like, oh, I can't, I can't enter this again. Should I enter this again? Do I want to enter this again? You know, it, it was um, it's probably one of the most difficult things I've done recently to to walk back into a space that reminds me so much of all of the that closeness and the the judgments and the energy pushback that I felt my whole life over and over in circumstances when I was younger to walk back in. But I couldn't record a podcast that was inspired by a space and not mention the space. Because, like, that's what I do. Like, for my writing, you know, if writing is deeply personal about people, I will always share the words with them before they go out public. Even though only I and them will recognize themselves, it still doesn't feel appropriate to put things out unless they've been shared to them. And it's not a sense of looking for validation or anything. It's just a sense. It's, it's a respect. It's, a, it's an energetic respect for me. And so... You know, it was very difficult to go back into that space. And, and basically, you know, ironically, one of the reasons that I found it really challenging was because for the first time in my life, I arrived somewhere and I expected to belong. And that I, my own expectations are what hurt me because I had been talking to my tribe sort of secretly for years in raptures about how much um, I found myself particularly within black writers and black voices and that the, the really deep parts of me that hadn't been found in anywhere else. And, and probably these aspects actually of collective consciousness and really, really deep concepts and the reasons for writing, the energy for writing, the, the reasons for, for writing in order to actually change collective consciousness. I've only read that from, from black or brown voices. I have never read that from a white voice. I, I can't think of a white writer that I would hold up that I feel writes to change humanity. And since that was so much my reason for writing, 
to to create change in people to, for them to so deeply look at themselves even after a funeral and unravel in that you know it, it that was huge and so I expected to to come along and to be able to to openly speak about a lot of that and to feel kind of embraced and there was I walked into this energy field that was completely polarized and I don't it didn't it wasn't even about what I said or I didn't say what I felt was that was that chasm of, of difference and divide and, and which side of it I should be on and I was kind of like I don't belong here this isn't any better than the rest of the world for me I don't belong here any more than I belong in, in the rest of the way that societies and structures are, are running I'm kind of like and and that really hurt I was, I was hugely disappointed by that and it was my own disappointment but there's something really important here in that I always say to people that the last stage of any journey, of any developmental journey, you know, whether I'm talking about my sexuality or I'm talking about my dyslexia, like I do not have a neon flashing sign in my forehead that says that I that I struggle with my literacy. And so it's up to me to step outside myself and sort of be able to say to people, well, I can't spell that or I can't read that, or I can't do that. And okay, they may re- I've had lots of negative reactions within that, but you sort of like, again, it's that sense of, well, your negative reaction shouldn't determine how I feel about myself. I just can't do this, fine, whatever. You know, it shouldn't stop me from expressing my limitations and what I can or can't do. And so there is, there's this ex- acceptance place that you get to that steps outside of yourself. It is like the, the most, sorry, it's the most important place to get to. You know, it it means that you can sit in a room for two years and keep your mouth shut and accept where everyone else is at. You can accept that you don't belong there yet. You can accept that it doesn't have to meet your expectations. You can accept that people can't see you as anything other than white and they don't know what your story is and why you came there. You can accept that they can't see that this speaks to you on a deep soul level. That, you, that they don't understand that the only writers that are writing for the purposes that you write for happen to be black. They don't know that you've been, you know, completely sort of um, isolated in Ireland, feeling that, you know, that if you rock the boat or you drive the boat or you, you say the things that are wrong, that people will just drop you. And if people do just drop me, well, they're not still in the conversation. They're not still listening. I'm not still changing anything for them. And so ultimately what I'm always doing in this dance is is trying to be enough of myself while keeping other people in the conversation until the collective consciousness has switched a little bit and it's time for you to be able to talk. And it's time for you to be able to, to record a podcast such as this. I couldn't have recorded a podcast such as this two years ago. And ironically, like the new set of feelings that I, that I had was to do with with openness, and the fact that I suppose I explained how open I do arrive to it and how much I share. I think there's now a, a contest and a jar I can feel going on in in people questioning themselves and how open they are and. That isn't up to anything anybody else to determine. There's always this measuring the contest that takes place, I find, with my, with my personality, and I kind of joke about this. Everybody else wants to be us except us. 
You know, everyone else wants, thinks they want to travel through the world with their heart hanging out. And, you know, to feel everybody else's emotions and to feel everybody else's response and to, to just feel so much in the world. And, and a lot of people, a lot of other personalities are driven by that as having a sense of power over others. But the people who really feel like this don't want to feel like this. And, you know, and, and, that, and I think if I had got to have this conversation with, with Rosa, that's more of what we would have teased out, the difficulties in that and, and the difficulties in the different places we are with that. Because a lot of my own tribe really admire the fact of how in the world I am. But I managed to be objective enough and, and stand back from it to to not make the to not react to the challenges of it and to not react to the reactions in that. Yes, it might hurt, but you're kind of like you can you can move on with that and, and deal with that and channel that into something constructive. Like it can be an inspiration for the work. But this it's not a contest of, of judging how how open you can travel through the world or how much you can share. Each person has to decide that themselves. And so this is one of the reasons why I've got so excited about Mindfulness 3.0 to finish up and talk about that because that is the essence of my being on everything that I feel that needs to be faced in the world. And it's not a sort of a never-never land project. It's not some sort of utopian universe to be created in the distant future of, you know, when we've kind of left the planet and been beamed back again, you know, in my little space rocket. It's, it's for now, you know, it's... It's, it's for everyone to find their own boundaries and their own acceptances and their own role in that and their own reactions and their own truth for now in, in, in a collective and in, in a space. And it's to embrace all the, the founding of that. Like, I probably wouldn't have been so diplomatic when someone, you know, it's, it's, it's quite ironic. The same thing happens in education. You know, we've been doing this for 50 years and, you know, and it's, it's you know, this, this is just another thing. This is just another version of it, you know. Um, I'm kind of like, well, maybe if you've been doing it for 50 years and it, it hasn't got to the place where everyone, where everyone has access to it and everyone's really part of it and everyone's really embracing it, maybe you've been doing something wrong. And so there's a sense for me in this that... The, the founding and the, the principles and the energy and all of the, the concepts that I, I live by and all of my heroes actually really live by those founding principles of spiritualism, for want of a better way of putting it. But they're a recognition of energy and of where you're at and where everyone else is at and of those like engagements with others, what, what, you, what you transfer between each other. But there's a point where we went through for all of our society and all the different aspects, whether it's education or religion or mindfulness or whatever it is, where we went through a sort of a, a very analytical measuring sense of where, you know, where you're supposed to fit in that and kind of lost those true essences. And there's a sense of coming full circle what mindfulness 3.0 and actually really recognizing your own part in that and your own way of being but doing that in in reaction and in meeting 
with other people. So I'm really excited about it. Like there are there are glimmers for me of spaces that I could belong in. And that's what I get really excited about. And people want so much to belong. They are prepared to to trade off parts of themselves. And maybe that's what I came out admiring about Sinead O'Connor. She wasn't prepared to do those trade-offs, but they come at a huge cost. And what I'm always trying to navigate is I'm also not prepared to do those trade-offs. I'm not prepared to become somebody else in the room in order to belong. But that might mean that actually I sit a little bit further back in the room until you're ready for me to belong in the room. And I might do a lot of work in the background, working on collective consciousness, till we actually get to a space where I could belong. And that matters more to me. I'm not prepared to trade off things and trade parts of myself. And it doesn't matter to me whether I never belong there, whether I don't feel I have friends, or whether people ever know who I am. I got to realize a long time ago in my life that all of those things were dispensable. The, the, the sense of working for my truth and a world that I could belong in mattered more to me. And meeting the people who were similar to me and who navigating that with them, navigating it with them so that Rose's daughter doesn't keep getting sick like I used to get sick as a child. Navigating it so that you do feel that you can find your tribe and find your friends. That you're not judging yourself based on, you know, whether people like you in school or not. That how I feel about what creativity can add to the world is not based on how I got on with the theatre set in Ireland. And I might get to record a podcast on that with one of my tribe and actually talk about theatre in Ireland and the sort of, there's a sort of a sexiness and the shallowness of it at the moment. But there's a, that can be applied to all of our culture. And again, I was, I was seeing in the Sinead O'Connor film that the, there's so much in Ireland, there are so many people who have challenged so much in the past. And maybe it's about time that I, I looked at those people for inspiration, that I hadn't recognised that there were so many people that I could take inspiration from here. So yes, I don't know how long I've been talking for. This is like, it's, it's a big podcast, but there's a lot that I'm excited about. And it, it hasn't always been an easy journey. But acceptance, acceptance of where other people are at is the absolute fundamental key to this and waiting for that to collectively change. So maybe one day I might feel like I belong. But in the meantime, I don't care if I don't.